0: Good to be back in church with you. Nehemiah, tonight chapter 2 is where we'll be and I want to tell you thank you church for everything and uh, we won't be able to be here tomorrow of course and uh, we'll be flying out uh, in the morning as I mentioned uh, back to uh, North Carolina and uh, we'll be going there for a conference in South Carolina and uh, we'll get to see some family. That's another thing that's uh, kind of hard and difficult you know I have a widow mother that I had to leave behind and uh, knowing that you know I'm not going to be there to take care of her in her last years uh, that was something a reality that I had to kind of grasp with and uh, but I'm thankful that she saved amen Amen. and uh, she's saved and she loves what we're doing and and I'm thankful for that and um, and I appreciate just the effort that you guys put into decorating and and the food is just wonderful. And uh, we weren't able to be here last night because we were stuck in traffic. But uh, someone, whoever that was, sent us home with those pork chops. Praise God. Amen. Those were thick and those were great. Thank you for that. And uh, just appreciate everything. I never dressed up for a missions conference. You know, that's pretty... He, when he told me that, thought he was picking. So I said, make it bright and colorful, whatever it is. And then I figured out, he he's not joking. And uh, and I'm like, okay, all right, I, I can do this. And... Uh, and then, I, you know, he told me what it was about. I said, man, I think this is great, you know. And I, I'm i just glad he didn't pick Amy Carmichael. Amen. We'd be in trouble. <laughs> I don't know if I accepted the invitation, brother. I just, you know, I'd had to be with C.T. Studd and be in that masculine, you know, that yeah, ministry. Great. Amen. But no, thank you, preacher. And it's just been great to talk with some of you folks and get to meet some of you folks. Appreciate these missionaries. I'm glad to meet you guys. And it's just been good. And uh, I asked you to pray last night for that young man. And we went back down to visit him and he got moved to another facility. And the uh, Lord just worked it out where it was just me and him uh, in the room today. And I was able to just give him the gospel again. And, man, he was just ready for it. And he got saved tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're so thankful for that. But you keep him in uh, your prayers. He's got a long road ahead of him. And, but I'm glad that the gospel still works. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad for that. Nehemiah chapter two is where we'll be in just a moment here. And uh if there's one book I love to preach out of it would be the book of Nehemiah. I just love the, the the theme behind it. You know, Nehemiah, when you look at his life, man, he was a dreamer. But he just didn't dream about something. He done it, amen. And I appreciate this his his character throughout this book and we know in the first chapter there we see how he recognizes there's a great need there in his homeland And I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with that. But he heard how uh, Jerusalem was still in distress and his brethren there uh, were in disarray. And it burdened him and it really got him to a point where he recognized that there was a need. But he also recognized uh, that there's an opportunity to do something about it. And he took uh, hold of that opportunity, of course, and it went to the king and asked permission to go to Jerusalem, which was hundreds of miles away and and Nehemiah didn't have to go, you know he was living in the palace and he he had it made to be honest with you, but he had a burden like none other, and We know the story where uh the king granted him access and he went back to Jerusalem there and And what I want to look at tonight is what took place in that beginning process and then throughout the process of Nehemiah, uh, building that wall. And I want to preach on this thought tonight. I want to preach on the resistance toward resistance, Maya. And I want you to just look at verse tonight. We'll look in several other here in just a a moment. But for the sake of time, in verse number 10 of chapter number two, the Bible says, when Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Father, help us for a few moments, I pray. We're thankful for this time together, Lord. Thankful for just what we've learned about C.T. Stud and just the... The music's been wonderful. We're thankful for what you're doing, Lord, in the midst. And I pray, Lord, tonight, now that we've opened up the bread of life, Lord, that you help me just for a few moments, Lord. Would you hide behind the cross, Lord? I am nothing tonight. Lord, I need your touch. I need your unction tonight. And Lord, take these words, Lord, and place it deep within the hearts of the people. And I pray that you would stir us in a great way, Lord, for the cause of missions. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in chapter 2 here, we find the work uh, that God placed in His of uh, the King. And I'm glad when we go into this thing called missions or just ministry in general that we serve a King with all the resources, amen? amen. I thank God for what He's done up there in Logan. I shared with some of you uh, just a little bit about how when we were trying to obtain that building there that I prayed for for three years, when we first moved, we found that building and. And we really loved the location of it, but uh, later on it came up for sale. But a LDS man owned it. He wanted a top dollar. We didn't have it. Uh, so we just went to the Lord in prayer. And we didn't know that God was working on a man's heart there in Tennessee at the time we was trying to get this church for that man to send us a check for $250,000. To help obtain that building. He didn't know we were trying to get it. He just wanted to be a blessing. And I'm simply telling you tonight. That we serve a king with unlimited resources. Amen. And we give all God the glory for that. And tonight here, as we're looking at the resistance toward Nehemiah, I want you to notice, first of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to notice with much planning has already been accomplished by Nehemiah. And and by verse 9, he's well on his way to go on uh, to do a great work that could not have been accomplished without God. And at this point here, the work has not even begun and we're seeing resistance and opposition from the enemy here. Here we find that then there in Jerusalem for the welfare of the people there. And the Bible tells us in verse 10 that it grieved them. When you look at that word grieved, it means it brought them extreme sorrow that a man came to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Let me say tonight, uh, this church and these missionaries that are going to do a great work for the Lord and Mount Logan, everybody's represented here tonight. I'm just simply saying... What we're doing is trying to build walls, amen, for the welfare of people. That's exactly why we go and plant churches, because we know that the gospel is the answer amen but can i tell you this i mean before the work even begins satan hates and he knows what's going on and he's going to do everything he can to resist in chapter two as you read he he begins to rally the troops there they have a big pep rally in chapter two in verse 18 and we find them all shouting with one voice and they're saying let us rise up and build as soon as they do that if you turn with me look in verse 18 we see the enemy coming on the scene again. Verse 18, it says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And then the very next verse in verse 19. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? So as soon as Nehemiah is routing the troops and they're ready to do something for God, the enemy shows up on the scene and it says they laughed them to scorn. They even despised the work that they were doing and they began to make false assumptions about their motives. Now turn to chapter 4 with me. Chapter 4 and we'll read in verse number 1. It says, But it came to pass that when Sambal heard that we build the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Here the Bible says that the enemy was vexed. That means there was extreme anger within their hearts. And they're, they're mocking the Jews. And they're, they're questioning their ability. And what they're doing also is they're casting a lot of doubt on their credibility. And can I tell you, as we heard from Brother King, the world don't understand what we do. They don't understand why we're here on a Tuesday night in a missions meeting trying to get our hearts stirred in the area of missions. They don't understand why we go to church on Wednesdays and, and Sundays and, and every other day or any other day that we can go to church. They don't get that and they, they look at us like we're strange. And they're casting doubt there and they're, and they're just casting doubt on their credibility. I remember when we were starting the church up there and we had groups come out. Uh, from North Carolina, uh, Mississippi, and a few other states. And I remember one particular group that came. And we're out, and we're remodeling the storefront with one group. And another group is going and knocking doors for eight hours a day. And one of the men from Mississippi was sitting under a shade tree in my yard. And these little girls were walking by on the sidewalk. And we had just moved into uh, the neighborhood. Matter of fact, when we moved, we moved right across the street from Brother Stonehouse and uh, he walked across the street with a pizza and said I've lived here for 30 years and they never had a Baptist as a neighbor and, uh, and it was great but there's little girls come walking by and they didn't see that gentleman and one of the little girls said who is that that just moved in here and the other little girl said oh grandma said that's the Baptist they won't last long I'm going to tell you something every time I've wanted to quit and there's been times I've wanted to quit I think of grandma amen I can't let Grandma will get one up on me. I don't know who she is. But Grandma's in my mind. But she was, she was doubting what we were doing. She was casting doubt and the credibility there. And Satan is always going to make sure there's going to be those there to degrade and demean the work you're trying to do for God. So we see the demeaning of the work. But number two, write this down. We see the discouragement during the work. If the devil can't get you to quit before you ever put your hands to the plow, you better believe he'll try to hinder you from completing whatever it is God's called you to do. And by the way, there's a lot that never get to that point. There's a lot that quit before they even get to the field. And the years that I've been serving the Lord, I've seen many quit along the way because they've listened to the lies of the devil and they've got uh, discouraged. But if, if the devil can't get you to quit, then you better believe once you're engaged in that work from church planter to church member, Satan is on the prowl for every one of us. Look in chapter four, verse number 10. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. Now the bearers of burdens, of course, would be those that are involved in the work. That is the same group of people that just stood up and shouted that they're ready to let us rise up and build. And it says, And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work To cease. So here, the same people just two chapters ago that rose up in a pep rally and said, Let us rise up and build. They're now ready to throw in the towel and quit. That's how we know they were Baptists tonight. Say amen right there. One great thing about the Word of God is that it don't leave out the negatives. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, When we look at the stories throughout the Bible, we see great victories, but we also see great valleys. And I'm thankful for that because I don't know about you, but I feel very unworthy to be in the position God has placed me in. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm tired of faith in North Carolina. I'm going to quit the race team. And I'm going to go out to Logan, Utah and plant a church because that seems like a, a good thing to do. That is not what ran through my thought process. But I sure am glad God called me to that. Amen. And God placed us; He places us in the ministry. And I'm glad that God records those, those that we really esteem very highly. We get to see the inner parts of their lives. And, and really, we know that it was God who authored the Bible. Because if these men would have wrote about their lives, they probably would have not put the things in the Bible that we read about. Talking about those negative things. And when we look through the examples, I mean, the, those that we lift up. And Moses, you know, you think about it. Numbers 11, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And the Bible says one of the meekest men ever to live. He was discouraged because the people became a burden. And at one time, he, he even wanted to die. You look at Joshua, one of the greatest generals in the Bible. And he, he faced a, a defeat which caused discouragement. And because of that, he wanted to quit. He, he even began to question the plan of God. You look at Elijah who prayed down fire from heaven and he faced off all those prophets of Baal and when Ahab told his wife Jezebel what had happened and her onslaught that she was going to bring upon him. Elijah, he just would rather go away and hide and just die. Remember, he just wanted to die. I'm talking about discouragement tonight. A lot of times we can come into church and we know how to put on the dress and the suits and the, and the smiles. But if we would be honest with ourselves, there's, there's just times we get defeated and discouraged in the ministry. Would you agree with me that tonight? Look at Job. We, we get to read the end, but Job didn't get to see that. And we know he had a great beginning and a great end. But in the middle of all that, he faced great discouragement. And there was one time in the Scriptures, he wished he'd not even been born. Look at the Apostle Paul, who uh, how God used him in such a great way. Even Paul faced days of discouragement. He told the Corinth church in 1 Corinthians 2, and As I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I mean, Paul was discouraged. And we find here in chapter 4 and verse number 10 that the strength of the people, they were decaying. They were getting weary. They were, uh, their devotion to the work that they were so excited about began to deteriorate. Their excitement exited real quick. And, and can I tell you, burnout is a real thing. Burnout's a real thing. You know, you better realize, child of God, that this work God's called us to, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. And that's what we're trying to do with people coming out to the West to get them to understand that, which, which you're so right. Missions is so different. I'm going to get on an airplane in the morning and I'm going to be back where I grew up in three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And some of you missionaries, it's not as easy, but it's still you can get on an airplane and come home where they could not. Amen. Right. But it doesn't discredit. It's still hard today. Mm-hmm. They face their battles and we face our battles today. And we got to realize that this thing is a marathon. I've had people coming to me, and and I'm talking about people just got saved. And man, it's exciting when they come to you and ask you, What can I do? And we don't have to prod people. But there's some people sometimes that just wants to do more and do more. And I I've, I've tried to slow them down just a little bit because you can become overwhelmed and you can get burned out. And and unfortunately, some of those people are not with us today because of that very reason. But notice when they became discouraged, what took place there. They they were looking at the rubbish there in verse number ten. And the problem with them, they quit having eyes of faith that they had in chapter 2 when their leader, Nehemiah, came and rallied them up. They they quit having eyes of faith and they they quit seeing that finished wall and their flesh started looking at the fallen wall. And instead of focusing on what's already been built and what's already been accomplished, they began to focus on what hasn't been accomplished. That's a very dangerous mindset when if you... You know, Paul said you have to learn to be content. And if we're not content with where God has us at the moment and with what we have and where He has us, then we're always going to think what's already been accomplished is not good enough. And we need to stop just a moment and understand it's really about perspective. And we need to stop for just a moment sometimes in the midst of our mully grubs. And y'all know what mully grubs is down here in Ogden? they don't in Logan, so they always make fun of me afterward. They're like, "What preacher, can you explain that? When we get sad, amen, and we pout, that's basically what that means. It do us some good to stop and just think about what God's done in our lives already. I mean, just your salvation alone, amen, should encourage you. David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And a lot of times, a lot of these men in the Bible, they would remember what God had done and has done and is doing in their lives to keep them moving forward. But, We see that there was a a stopping point here in the work and they were beginning to get uh, discouraged. In verse number 11, what's interesting, the adversaries knew that and the adversaries knew at their weakest point they could come in there and it says we're going to slay them and we're going to cause the work to cease. And I'm simply telling you tonight that that is the goal of the adversary in every one of our lives tonight. He wants the work to cease. How many know that Satan does not play fair tonight? Right. He, he prays on you during your very weakest moments, hoping that you'll quit. Nah. When we started the church, we had a family come and they came from a Baptist church in Texas. And then they eventually wound wound up at Rick Warren's church in California. But then they, they figured out that that was not right. And so they... We're in Logan for three years and said we've been praying for a church and and all this. And it sounded real good and things were going well for just a, a season. And then I led our first convert to the Lord, a family from Nebraska. They started natural groceries up there in Logan. And they had a Catholic background and, and they had like eight kids. I mean, there's an automatic church right there. Amen. And uh, it was just great. Everything we thought was going wonderful. We was going to have uh, friend and family day. And I remember that all of a sudden we got an email from that first family that uh, since our church is doctrinally sound, they're going to go find another church to help them with their doctrine. I'm like, well, you might as well move out of the state because how many other churches are there around? You know, I'm just so discouraging, right? And so we went to church that next Sunday. We're still getting geared up for a friend and family day. And I told that other family, they asked me, they said, we're so-and-so. I said, they left. They said, what? I said, yeah, they left. I said, matter of fact, they emailed me. I said, they didn't come talk to us. And he kind of laughed. I said, do me a favor. I said, if you ever leave me, I said, please come to me. At least talk to me. And if I've done anything, I don't want to use the wrong words in the pulpit. Wrong, I'll just use that word. If I've done anything wrong... I'll try to own up to that. Now, if it's Bible, I'm not apologizing for that. But if I had done something, let's just talk it out. And he says, sure. Well, next week after that, I got an email from that very same family. And uh, so on friend and family day, we had one person. That was a blessing. It was that one person, by the way, that I talked about last night that said the visitation program wouldn't go well. So... So you can imagine the discouragement in the midst of the work. And I'll tell you, preacher, what we've done for about two days. We sit there and sulk in it. I knew there would be days like that. We know that. Do we not know there's going to be opposition? Nehemiah shows us that all day. But you really don't know how to handle that till it hits you right in the face. Mm-hmm. You say, what would you do? Well, the only thing I knew to do. We just strapped the boots on and went out door knocking. Our kids at that time were about that tall, you know, they were, they were probably, I don't know, 10, 8, and 6, something like that. And we just went door knocking. And God started sending family after family after family just because we stayed faithful. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something, that was, that was a real moment for me because the devil said, how's your God now? Yeah. You know, it would be a lot easier to go back to North Carolina. There's churches everywhere looking for a pastor. You can go take a church overnight and there'd be 50 to 100, 150 people there. I mean, all these thoughts coming through my mind. During a a season like that, I had a church call me in Florida running 500 people. They buy their pastor Alexis every year. They take care of them big time. And they wanted me to come and be their pastor in the midst of a discouraging moment. I'm telling you, that was real tempting. Real tempting. But I had to tell him on the phone, that's not what God's called me to do. I, I'm humbled, but no thank you. I will decline the offer and hung that phone up. Man, I'm so glad I did. I think about the many times I've wanted to quit, and if I did, I think about the people who's got saved after that. That's right. mm. So we see the demeaning of the work before it ever started. We see the discouragement during the work. But Last of all tonight, number three, write this down. We see the distraction from the work. Look in chapter 6, chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, Now it it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Samballot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while as I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then Sambalat his servant uh then sent Sambalat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen and Gashmu say it That thou and the Jews think to rebel. For which cause thou buildest the walls. That thou thou mayest be their king according to these words. Now at this point we know that the wall is just about complete. The gates he says not up yet. And we do know that the wall was completed. Amen. Isn't that just a wonderful story. And thank God for his uh, providence. Thank God for his power. Nehemiah and the remnant there, they're coming real close to getting it done, getting it finished. And it's interesting, chapter 3, this ain't the message, but there is a remnant there that God uses. And it's amazing how God brings all those different people from different backgrounds together. Those goldsmiths, those apothecaries, those blacksmith, common men, nobles, all of them came together for one cause. It's kind of what God does with me and you. Amen? Brings us together from all different backgrounds, even with people with dialects like me. He can he can put us together. Amen? And thank God for that and work together for the cause of Christ. And that's what was taking place here in chapter number 6. The work is just about done, but the enemy is still trying to get them to quit. Can I tell you that the devil never lets up? Right. What What if we as Christians were as persistent as the devil was? Mm-hmm. It's real easy for us to quit, and we do sometimes. But let me just tell you, the devil never lets up. They're trying their best, the enemy, to get into the mind of Nehemiah. Five different times. I mean, the persistency. Five different times messengers were sent to Nehemiah to get him to walk away. And I'm just simply telling you, listen to me, Satan is trying to do everything he can. Nehemiah was their leader. His name means encourager. And Nehemiah is trying to, excuse me, Satan is trying to do everything he can to get y'all's Nehemiah to quit today. How long have you been here, Pastor? 25 years. 25 years. That's a long time. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, most, most people think, well, he's just here to stay. And hopefully you are. But I can tell you, it's still a battle every day in his mind. Amen. That's why we got to pray and get behind our men of God and our laborers in the Lord. Amen? And not only that, not only is, is Satan trying to get your, your shepherd, your under-shepherd to quit, he's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to do everything he can to get in your head and get you distracted and get you detoured so it eventually will destroy you. You know, some distractions that come, especially for us church planters and us in the ministry, we got to be careful about sometimes it's comparing ministries. Yeah. A long time ago, I quit putting numbers on Facebook. I, I did in the very beginning. And I would love to tell you it's because I wanted to show God's blessing, but a lot of times there's just pride in that. And one man, an older man, came up to me and, and mentioned something to me about how that can be a discouragement to people. And I didn't really think about it. It's not like we have a mega church or ever had a mega church. I mean, I was be, i was really excited anybody would show up to hear me preach. Amen. Y'all just had to tonight because he scheduled me. But anyway, they come voluntarily up there. I was just excited about it. But there's, just, there's still something in there. Because if people really want to get serious, they won't post their Sunday morning numbers. They'll post their Wednesday night numbers. <laughs> they don't want to do that. But you know, there's people all out west here running five people, ten people. They're praying. They're knocking doors. They're studying. They're doing everything that we do. And I'm telling you, when they see that, they wonder, well, why ain't God blessing me like that? And I like what one preacher said many years ago. In God's eyes, there is no small church. We love, is that not the magic saying? I get it all the time. Brother Kurt. how many are you running now? Yeah. Well, do you want to know what I was running four years ago? Or we're running close to 100? Or do you want to know now that we're running close to 50 and 60? Am I not successful now? It's not a number. we got to quit doing that. Something else that gets us distracted is believing everything that we read and hear. Social media has really messed us up in that avenue. And Don't let the media gauge whether or not you can serve God. Amen? Don't let the media do that. Let me say this. Sometimes a distraction is thinking God's done with us. This ain't a thing in the West so much, but it could be possibly with you. I don't know. But in the East where I'm from, when things go sour and they all they're going to go sour in the ministry when you deal with people you deal with problems and uh, a lot of times people bail out and they say god's done with me and then all of a sudden overnight they become an evangelist until the next church pops up so they can pastor that church that's what that is that's workers comp in the ministry is what that is unfortunately it's just true God's done with me now there's times I believe that's true, but he's not done with you in the first six months yeah. amen he If your pastor came up and he said that god's called uh he's got God's called me to wherever name the place then we we you would hate to hear that, but I would understand that, and I would believe that to be true, and I'd say you know he's been faithful for twenty five years and praise God for that. But that's not always the answer when things go wrong. And and what Satan does, he just wants to distract us because if we just hang in there long enough like Nehemiah did, the work God's called us to will be completed. Nehemiah, I loved Nehemiah in verse 8. He called out their lies, he called out their he basically uncovered their ploy. I really love Nehemiah in chapter 13 when he went back to visit. And he went back to make sure everything's in order. And he found out there's a lot out of order. And he goes back there. And, and the Bible says that he laid hands on people. And he wasn't praying for them. Amen. <laughs> he goes in there. And that same Tobiah that said, if you build something and a fox goes up and it'll collapse. That same enemy is now living inside the city there. And he, he goes up in there. Don't even talk. He just grabs his luggage and throws it out in the yard. Read it. It's there. That's my, you know, that's my version, but that's what it says. I like Nehemiah. Amen. He was just a man's man, but he cared about God's work. And in chapter 6 and verse 8, he just called out their lies. And so there's the the, the meaning of the work before it even gets started, there's the discouragement during the work. There's the distractions from the work. They're they're at the very end. They're still trying to get them to quit. So how did Nehemiah respond? Look in verse 3 again in chapter 6. He says, and I sent messengers unto them. And church, get a hold of this. I am doing a great work. How many would say that we're doing a great work tonight? Not that we're patting ourselves on the back. No, 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 That that work, the work we're engaged in and we're involved, it's a great work because it's God's work. And Nehemiah, man, he knew that. And what Nehemiah done, church, is he kept his focus, he, he kept his faith, he kept his fervency for the work of God. And because of that, he didn't allow the enemy into his mind. And I'm just simply telling you, church, tonight, don't give an ear to the devil you got to understand this work we're doing. He said in the earlier chapters that it is a great and large work. And boy, that's true too. I'm thankful for missionaries. You understand, church, we need missionaries just like they need us. They need our support financially. They most of all need your need your prayers. But we need them to complete the Great Commission. We can't. We can't go to the uttermost parts of the world and earth because we can't physically, but we can through our missionary program. And I was asking the pastor if y'all done faith promise missions and he said that you do. And boy, that's a wonderful thing. And God really honors that. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm simply saying you're doing a great work tonight. And you got to remember if you give in now and quit and you walk away, the work's going to cease. And believe this or not, somebody is depending on you. In 2020, I faced a real bad depression. I'm not a real depressed guy. I've, I've faced more of that in the nine years that I've lived out here than ever in my life. I'm a jokester. I like to have fun. There, there, there's too many days in our lives that we're going to spend in hospital and funeral homes to always act like we hate life. And I just love to have a good time. But in 2020, and this was pre-COVID, probably February... There was just something dark going on in my life. And I cannot explain to you to this day what that was other than a spiritual war going on. And I'll tell you what compounded my issues is I'm sitting there thinking I'm healthy. My family's healthy. My wife is a rock and loves the ministry. If I told my family we're going to North Carolina, they would all be devastated because they love Utah so much. That's our home now. I look at the church. The church is healthy. Everything in my life wonderful, but yeah, I've got this oppression on me, and it got so bad that my wife called my pastor behind my back. And when I found that out, I got mad at her because we men do not like for other people to know that we have problems, right? We we don't have issues. We're men. Ugh. Yeah, and then we're in a fetal position on the floor a lot of times, and our wives are like, "Get up! You got to preach today, right?" but that was a real thing in my life and my pastor he called me and he said well, Kurt, what's going on I said I don't know he says well I'm getting on the airplane in the morning I'll be out there I said no 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 don't." he's a busy man I said don't do that I said there's nothing you can do because if there was I'd already done it to fix it he says I'm not coming out there to fix it I'm coming out there just to sit with you and be with you and he did for about a week he came out he changed light bulbs. He changed receptacles that were loose. He mulched my yard. He, he just stayed out of the way. And we did get together and fellowship. He preached for me while, you know, while he was in. And, and then he went home. And then slowly, I just kind of came out of that. Don't, to this day, I don't know what it was. But there was some bad things going on here. And I just about quit. Um... It was so bad that it even affected my kids mm-hmm. because it got I'm I'm being transparent with you because there's a lot of times y'all sit out there and y'all think that we don't have any issues. But when you find out that we do, it kinda helps you. Let you know okay, they're real too. Mm-hmm. It affected my oldest kid more than anything because they really thought we was leaving the mission field, we was leaving where God had called us and and she struggles with some things today because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the enemy wants to do everything he can to to get in our families right. and well, I think about if I would have quit in 2020, we know what happened. And in our area, the wards were shut down. And this young lady shows up from Snowflake, Arizona. That's an oxymoron, ain't it? Arizona Snowflake, I don't even get it, but that's where she's from. And she shows up and, and the wards are shut down, so she wants to go to church. She's been studying because you know how they have the sem- uh, seminaries beside the high schools out here? She is, she's a student, and she started seeing the holes in the theology. So she says, I'm going to go to a different church. So she said, I'm going to go to a Baptist church. So she Googled, what do you do when you go to a Baptist church? And she said the answer was sit in the back. <laughs> I said, man, I think a lot of people have been Googling here lately. No, no offense to y'all back there. But she did. She came. This is her testimony. She said, I've never felt anything like that. I've never been loved like that. And she says, and I've never heard preaching like that. And this and the music, just the song service. So she came during vision week is the first time she got there. She heard a man do a session which your pastor is going to be helping with this year on ministering in the West and pri- primarily dealing with the LDS culture. And so she heard some things that were hard to be heard because she grew up that way. But she came all week and God worked on her heart. And the week after that, or... No, toward the end of that week it was. She got saved. Amen. She heard our youth choir sing and she wanted to sing in it because she loves to sing. Well, after she got saved, this is after service, people are just mingling. We had another impromptu service. And we got the youth choir back up there, those that were still around, and we put her in that youth choir and let her sing. And you, sh- I wish you could have seen the glow in her. And can I tell you, three years later, she still got that glow. Amen. She is such a faithful young lady. She's 20 years old now. Soul winner. Loves God. Involved in everything. Witnessing to her family who is LDS. And I I could go on and on about this young lady. She went back to her ward during their testimony time. And she stood up in front of everybody and gave her testimony how she got saved. She goes, didn't Paul go into the synagogues and witness of Christ?" Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. She goes, should I go back to my Lord and do that? Mm. I said, well, if the Lord leads you, I said, you might want to do that in the right spirit. I said, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Mm. Well, she did. She got up there and gave the gospel to that whole congregation. Mm. And she. I said, mm. what happened? She said, the bishop amen me. Then I sit down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what if I'd have quit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where would Susanna be today? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you one more testimony. I was telling... My dear brother here about a young man who you've probably heard of the Kingston clan down here. Mm-hmm. We've got a young man in our church that got saved out of that. He's 16 years old when he got saved. Yeah. I ain't going to tell you the whole story. We don't have time. But uh, he, he went to South Carolina to a camp meeting as a 16 year old boy because he found him online. And they loved him at that camp. meeting, loved on him. Mm-hmm. And he heard the gospel every day, every night. And when he come back to Utah, one of the preachers called me that I know. And he got such a burden for this young man. He goes, can you please reach out to him? lives in West Valley. So I did. I met him and we talked. And I was three hours into it. And I was about to just give him the gospel. And the next thing I know, he told me what he done on his bedside that night. He got saved on his own. Amen. Now, sometimes we get weary about that. But he repeated to me everything that he'd done, and he's tears in his eyes. He says, I could not go to bed. He goes, that was four o'clock in the morning. I read my Bible till 11 o'clock in the morning. That morning I got saved. Well, they ostracized him. They kicked him out, put him on the streets, and we had to take him in. And we have put him in a, a basement, a, a room in a basement in one of our members' homes. We got guardianship. They got guardianship over him. They had to go to bat for him on that too. By the way, interesting story. Uh, but now he's got his GED, his construction certificate, and the boy got baptized. He's a member of our church. He just stood up in the pulpit during our Sunday school and gave a devotion. And he's going back down to the what they call the order. He's going back in there sometimes weekly because he can, and he's witnessing to his dad. Who has eleven wives and seventy children? He's witnessing to his uh, half siblings, his siblings. He's going places that we can't go. But what would happen if we'd quit? We always got to think of that. We're holding the rope for somebody, and it may be a little bit of a strange message for a missions conference. But we need to be. We need to remember keeping the main thing. The main thing is souls, and the Lord. Doesn't have to use us, but aren't you thankful that he does? Amen. And somebody outside the four walls of this church is depending on every one of you. How many missionaries do y'all support, preacher? About 20. 20 missionaries is depending on you. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you something, the devil's not gonna let up. Right. But you gotta realize something. You are involved in a great and a large work. Mm-hmm. And we gotta think you think about C.T. Studd, what he gave up. Think about the treasures that are laid up for Him in heaven. Amen? Think about that. And that's the mindset that we got to keep. And remember that God's placed us here in this work. And we need to remember there's always going to be the adversary trying to get us to come down off the wall. But our reaction every time to Him is, Hey, we're doing a great and large work. I can't come down because if I did, the work's going to cease. Mm -hmm. Nehemiah in chapter 4 when they were discouraged and they were about to quit, he rallied them up and he he says, hey, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Hey, remember what God's done for you. He says, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And when he done this and stood up and encouraged them, it says in verse 15, it says, we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto His work. You're important tonight. You are purposeful tonight. And yes, there will be discouragement. There will be demeaning, even from the inside, your family, even from sometimes Christians. It comes from every direction. There comes that discouragement. There comes that derailment sometimes where they're trying, the enemies are trying to detour us. But just remember, man, this thing is a great work God's placed us in. Aren't you thankful to be a part of it tonight? Amen. And I pray that God would continue to encourage you in these days, and always remember uh, that it's not long. Child of God, Amen. We're going home. Praise amen. the Lord, and it'll be worth it after all. I promise you, it'll be worth it. every dollar that you give, every sacrifice, every door that you knock on. I believe every door you knock on is recorded in heaven because God gives the increase. You and I do not. We get discouraged when we don't see numbers. But God's got to do that work. And ultimately, it's the free will of man. they got to make that decision. But we got to get out there and hit those doors. Get out there and win people to Christ. Support missionaries so they can go and do that very same work around the world so we can fulfill the great commission that God's called us to. Father, we love you tonight. We're thankful for the time together, Lord. I pray that you bless the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Amen.